It's another episode of WeatherWise here at 47 ABC News in Salisbury, Maryland. We love coming to you guys every Wednesday, giving you an episode. And this week's episode is about rip currents. Now, why are we talking about rip currents when the summer's over? Well, it actually has a correlation. They kind of go together, rip currents and the tropics. And this tropical season is continuing. And it's a very active season. And it has a direct correlation uh, to impacting the rip currents here on the shore. So we're going to talk about that. And we're also going to review the hurricane season so far and then look possibly ahead into the future. So I am meteorologist Daniel Johnson, and today I am alongside... Meteorologist Sloan Haynes. How's it going, Sloan? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Good to speak with you, and welcome back in to WeatherWise again. Thank you. All right, so let's talk about it, Sloan, because just this past week, we had some very dangerous rip currents here on the shore. And yes, granted, you know, we're heading into the month of October. We're getting very close to it. Actually, it starts tomorrow. Um, and we have been having rip currents here. And there are not, there aren't too many lifeguards or at all any lifeguards in the stands in, in many locations. And we've had a lot of dangerous rip currents. And we've been issuing these forecasts. And if you want to talk a little bit about why our rip currents were so high this past week, and then we'll explain exactly what a rip current is. But if you want to explain just really quickly uh, what was causing that this past week or two. Yep. So we all know that 2020 has been an active hurricane season. And not only, you know, we hear about storm surge, we hear about high surf, but Systems off the coast can also cause a high risk for rip current. And, you know, past week we did have Hurricane Teddy. That was a major hurricane, you know, hundreds of miles away from us, but still impacting us as it was so far away by bringing us that high surf and some rough or high risk rather for rip currents. That was something we were keeping our eyes on. And throughout the week, the National Weather Service kept going from high to moderate, high to moderate, but they kept high for quite a long time because that system was so far off, but it still caused us to have that high risk for rip current. Right, and with Hurricane Teddy, as you mentioned, hundreds of miles out there in the Atlantic, it was so far away, it traveled east of Bermuda. So not on the western side, which would be closer uh, to our coast, but it was on the eastern side of Bermuda, and then eventually went towards Nova Scotia, right, which was very unique and very interesting. Mm -hmm as it did lose its tropical characteristics, eventually heading into Nova Scotia near Halifax um, and up towards um, the Canada Maritime. So it was very interesting to track that and to see how much of an impact it had on our area, not necessarily the weather per se. However, it did have an impact on our weather. I'll get into that in a second, mm -hmm. but more so the rip currents, you know, it's churning up the Atlantic. It's throwing those rough seas towards us. And those waves travel hundreds of miles. So mm -hmm. luckily we didn't hear of any water rescues that I know of and, uh, and no major issues with that. But it's really good that we were able to issue those forecasts just to warn everyone. Definitely, you know, the rip current risk. If you're like me and you're still trying to hold on to summer a little bit longer, the ocean temperature around 70 degrees right now, you're probably wanting to go in. But there still is that threat out there with these storms, you know, off the coast. Right, and that's the big reason we wanted to do this topic, because water temperatures are still relatively mild, uh, near 70, as you mentioned, but there aren't lifeguards out there. And it's, you know, it's, in my opinion, it's just, it's never safe to swim without a lifeguard. 
there, especially when there's a rip current, you know, risk that's high or moderate. So uh, not safe to do that. And people are still wanting to swim and hold on this summer, as Sloan mentioned. And um, we still have a very active hurricane season. And with those storms out there in the Atlantic, uh, they're causing problems. And Teddy, as you said, was the one that really brought us the high rip current risks. And Teddy got to a category four hurricane, mm -hmm. which made it the second category four this season, right? I believe Laura was the other one. Yep. A uh, little bit stronger than Teddy, but both category four major hurricanes. So uh, Teddy also influenced our weather because it was a bit of a breezy week, too. You know, we had high pressure just to our north, and then we had Teddy in the Atlantic, and we were stuck between those two systems, and that gives us that tight pressure gradient, increases the winds. So that was also something that impacted us this past week or two, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something we saw last week, and you said it, too. We had those breezy conditions. You know, we were seeing wind gusts up to 30 miles per hour at the beaches. Right. So let's get into exactly what a rip current is. Um, what it can do, how it can, you know, scare the living daylights out of so many people and, and mm -hmm. what we should do if you are caught in a rip current. And then we'll talk about this hurricane season so far and go through the list because we ran out of names, right Sloan? Yeah. <laughs> so we'll have to, we'll have to <laughs> talk about that coming up soon, but let's go over what a rip current is. Uh, Sloan, if you just want to briefly start with it and then I'll, I'll jump in. Yep. So the um, National Weather Service defines rip currents as powerful narrow channels of fast-moving water that are prevalent along the coast of the U.S. But to break that down for you, if you think about it, the waves are crashing onto the beach and they just can't keep building up on the beach. The water has to go somewhere. So what happens is these waves keep crashing on the beach and for the water to recede, it's going through these narrow channels, generally seen between sandbars is when you can see it because it's already a channel in the ocean, and we see the water receding through that, which can cause these rip currents to form. Right, and sometimes a good way, you can't always see rip currents, but you can definitely notice them at times when they're specifically, especially strong, mm -hmm. I should say. The water can get a little bit foamy or bubbly, kind of like you can see it uh, pushing offshore. And if you're caught in a rip current, it can drag you, you know, pretty far out into the ocean. Now, it's not going to take you miles and miles out there. It's not, it's not going to, like, drag you to, you know, Europe or anything or, or take you so far that no one can help you. So that's why we tell people to not fight the actual rip current, right? Because mm -hmm. as humans, we kind of have that, you know, fight or flight, you know, instinct. And unfortunately, when someone, something is dragging you or pulling you, you want to fight. Right, Sloan? I mean, that's our number one yeah. instinct. And unfortunately, and that's really the most dangerous part about the rip current is that once people are stuck in one, they start to panic. And panicking when you're in the rip current isn't the best thing to do because you need to be able to stay afloat to swim out and around is generally what lifeguards tell you to do. Because sometimes when people panic, they get too panicked and they could drown. Right. Because when you panic, you fight. And when you fight, you get exhausted and you end up unfortunately possibly losing your your fight and losing your life and these rip currents usually pull you out you know they pull you out away from the sand they pull you 
away uh, from, you know, land. But they don't typically pull you under. There are some currents out there in lakes, rivers, and stuff that pull you under. But these rip currents generally pull you out. So just mm -hmm. the rule of thumb, we always say, number one, don't fight the current. Number two, let it pull you out for a little bit and just float, right? And Sloan mentioned that. Yep. Uh, do your really? best to float. And even that time, you can collect your thoughts, too, of how to sure. actually swim out and around. Right. So Instead of panicking. Exactly. And then and once you are able to kind of, if you feel like you're getting out of it, or even if you feel like it's still pulling you, don't swim with it or fight it or swim against it. Swim parallel to the shore. Mm -hmm. uh, and that would be the best way to escape the current. So don't swim you know, against it. Don't swim towards the shore. I know that's kind of sounds scary. Why would I not swim towards the shore? Actually, you got to swim left and right, you know, to parallel uh, to the mm -hmm. shore uh, to get out of it. And always yell yep. for help, too. You mm -hmm. know, that's the big thing. You want people to hear you just in case so that um, hopefully a lifeguard on duty can help you. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, we've had loss of life this year, Sloan. Um, we've had, mm -hmm. you know, people go in to help someone and, and they've not made it out. Um, so, so far, and I don't see, and I'm looking at the current rip current fatalities for 2020. And luckily, I don't see any on Delmarva. But there are, there have been seven surf fatalities in 2020 uh, in North Carolina. So just to mm -hmm. our south. And part of North Carolina is in our Wakefield forecast office, which is mm -hmm. the National Weather Service uh, that helps to forecast uh, our area. And then I see that we have two fatalities um, in New Jersey, uh, just to our north. And that is part of our Mount Holly forecast office that forecasts for northern Delmarva. So both of our offices that forecast for Delmarva have had um, surf fatalities. Now, the one in New Jersey is confirmed as one rip current fatality. The other one is unknown. And then as you go into North Carolina, as I mentioned, seven surf fatalities, but only four were confirmed as rip currents. The three others were unknown. So we have had, mm -hmm. you know, deaths here nearby um, on the East Coast. And it's always sad to see that, you know, every year. For, um, some tropical weather. I know we were talking about how tropical weather affects the rip currents. I found an article about Hurricane Bertha in 2008, and that storm was over a thousand miles off the coast. But Maryland lifeguards did perform about over 1,500 ocean rescues in one week, mostly due to the rip currents and rough surf. These people kept going out there, so that's what we mean. Especially during, you know, it's still a little warm out there. People might want to go in the ocean, but you just need to think. If you're in doubt, don't go out or don't go past your waist. Yeah, I love that. You know, if in doubt, don't go out. Um, we also did a podcast. Um, it's been, I think, a couple months at least. We did a podcast um, on the most frequent weather-related killer on Delmarva. And we mentioned that northern Delmarva, heat is the main contributor to death. Um, on the peninsula again that's for the mount holly office that includes northern delmarva and then wakefield this was the interesting thing we mentioned in that podcast the wakefield office which includes salisbury all the way down through ocean city virginia beach north carolina rip currents the number one killer um, mm -hmm. when it comes to weather fatalities and unfortunately we saw that in 2020 
down in the Carolinas for sure, and then you know one in in New Jersey. But mm -hmm. that kind of proves and goes to show with all the beaches here, you know, in our local area, the danger's there. So just pay attention to the weather forecast before you go out because we'll let you know what the rip current danger is that day. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we always want to keep you informed, especially. Now you're holding on to these warm ocean temperatures a little while longer. That's right. So I think that's the rip current safety. We've, we've gone over that uh, and how to be safe and how the tropics really affect our weather. So let's talk about the tropics just very quickly. We're going to review the season. We're not, not going to go too much in the detail. Uh, but, but the last hurricane podcast detailed one that we left off with was with uh, Hurricane Laura. And then after that, we had Marco. Nana, I believe is how you pronounce it, Omar. <laughs> then we had Paulette Sloan, which is kind of a ghost storm. Paulette was mm -hmm. kind of hanging out there in the Atlantic. Then it disappeared. And then it was resurrected just last week and came back as a, a storm again. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. it's Paulette finally... Paulette came back to life. I'm pretty sure I said that on air. <laughs> yeah. And it's finally gone out there. And mm -hmm. I can't believe we have no tropical activity really out there expected in the next few days. Um, there yeah. is one down in the Caribbean that we're watching, um, mm -hmm. but we'll keep everyone updated with that. Right now, we're getting a bit of a break from the tropics. Uh, then, of course, we had Renee after Paulette. And then we had Sally. That turned into a strong uh, hurricane that eventually made landfall uh, down along the Gulf Coast. And that is the yeah. storm you know, that really affected Louisiana again. And the major threat with Sally, as I have a lot of, since I went to school along the Gulf Coast, the major threat there was the rip current risk. Storm surge was a huge risk with the storm, and they were doing um, water rescues because of people going out thinking they could surf the waves during Sally. Right, yeah, and Sally brought a lot of rain, too, and that mm -hmm. dangerous storm surge, as you mentioned. Then after that, we had major Category 4 Hurricane Teddy, as we already mentioned that traveled east to Bermuda. Um, oh, by the way, I want to jump back to Paulette because Paulette slammed Bermuda. Um, don't want to forget about that. Paulette did uh, make landfall in Bermuda, and Teddy, we thought, was going to do, do it again and was going to be another mm -hmm. storm to make landfall in Bermuda, but it traveled just east. Then we had Vicky, which kind of stayed out in the Atlantic, didn't do much, and then we had Wilford. Um, that wasn't much of an impact either. And then what happened, Sloan, after we ran out of names? Because W yep, was the last letter. Yeah, we ran out of names. <laughs> yeah. So last time that happened was what? 2005, right? Yeah, 2005. So this was the second time we've ever actually reached the Greek alphabet with storm names. So the Greek alphabet, that's what we go into. And yep. the first name was Alpha. That was actually a subtropical storm, right? So it wasn't even mm -hmm. fully yep. tropical. And do you remember where that one made landfall? <laughs> That one made landfall, well, so we had subtropical storm Alpha, and do you remember tracking the storms, because there was that um, storm out in the Gulf, and we were like, oh, this one will be Wilfred, then it wasn't Wilfred, we're like, oh, this one will be Alpha, then and it, it wasn't. wasn't Alpha. Do you remember watching that? <laughs> yeah, for sure. We thought it would get the names, and it ended up not getting the one in the Gulf, did not become Wilfred, it did not become Alpha, it became Beta. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so Beta was the storm that ended up being in the Gulf of Mexico, and it did make landfall uh, south of Texas. 
Right. And again, another big rainmaker. And, mm -hmm. you know, it caused some storm surge problems as well. And back to subtropical storm Alpha, that was the weird one that made landfall in Portugal. Yep. Just hanging out there in Europe, you know, just living its best life. And it's, here we are. Paul Wett did the same thing, pretty much. Made its way towards Europe a bit. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's where Paulette ended up coming back to life. <laughs> they were looking for a vacation. <laughs> there you go, hanging out together. All right, so we're in the Greek alphabet. Alpha, beta, those are the two letters we've used so far. Next, we have gamma and then delta. Yep, gamma, delta, epsilon are the next three on the list. That's right. Then zeta, eta, theta. So we're going to be uh, uh, tracking the tropics, of course. And, mm -hmm. you know, looking ahead to the future, Sloan, it looks like we're in a break right now, but it might not last because October's looking yeah. like it could I be I did active. get a call the other day, Daniel. I forgot to share this with you, but somebody said, oh, so hurricane season is now over. No. Because we're having a break right now with tropical systems. And I said, no, sir. I said, we're just having a break right now. It doesn't end until the end of November. You know, we just reached the peak a few weeks ago of hurricane season. We still have storms that could form. Yeah. A lot of people forget October is a, can be a very active season. Mm -hmm. And it's actually extremely active for Florida. That's going to be our next, yeah. week, our next week topic um, when it comes to our podcast. So stay tuned for that one. Next Wednesday, we'll talk about October how active it can be in the tropics. Don't let your guard down. Just because we're in the fall season, that doesn't mean hurricane season is done with. Remember, we had Hurricane Sandy um, mm -hmm. out there in October, that big one um, that we had years ago. So it's something to watch out for, and we'll be on top of it, right? Yeah, something to keep your eyes out for. It's never too late to make a hurricane preparedness plan just make sure you and your family are on the same page and to always check in on family and friends who live along the gulf states especially you know this time of year is when we start to see more of those gulf storms exactly and it seems to be one of those caribbean gulf coast seasons however we have mm -hmm. had some along here on the eastern seaboard so you know we had isaias uh, we just can't let our guard down keep a plan intact. I wanted to say one more thing. It was kind of a joke, but I saw something on Twitter the other day, Sloan. It actually made me think of, made me think of you and it made me think of Julian, uh, our evening anchor, and you'll find out why. I think I, I retweeted it. I don't know if you saw it, but it said two ways to learn the Greek alphabet. One, join a sorority or fraternity and become a, meteor <laughs> and become a meteorologist. <laughs> well, I crossed both off. There you go. And so does Julian. So I thought that was funny. Uh, because, yeah, <laughs> as meteorologists, we need to know the Greek alphabet during yeah, the hurricane A lot season. of our variables are Greek letters. There you go. All right, is that it? You want to add anything else? Nope, I think we covered it all, Daniel. All right, guys. Thanks again, Sloan, for joining me this Wednesday. We'll be back next Wednesday for another podcast episode of WeatherWise.